0: hello and welcome to regrets i've had a few i'm paul hunter artistic director of told by an idiot and this is a podcast where i talk to friends and colleagues delving into what made them the person they are today hello and welcome my guest this month is one of britain's most respected playwrights she has written over 25 plays and has had her work produced at many of the major UK theatres including the Royal Shakespeare Company, the National Theatre and the Royal Court. Her work manages to combine the comic, the poetic and the political and she's been described as our most versatile writer for stage, screen and radi- radi- radio. <laughs> Welcome mm. to Tanika Gupta.
1: Hello there,
0: hi. Hello, I'm so glad you could come in and, and have a chat. Now, The first thing I was thinking about was when we met, and I realized we met at the Globe Theatre when the wonderful Emma Rice was running it. And I think we were were you one of her associates at the time? I
1: was, I was indeed one of her what what they call creative associates.
0: Yes, and I was very excited (laughs) to meet you. I think I was. Rehearsing something, and you came into the room, and I thought, Oh wow, that this is a very, very good idea Emma has had here to bring to make it in. And because we mentioned the globe, I wanted to kick off with a question about Shakespeare. Because were you involved in the Midsummer Night's Dream there?
1: Yes, yeah, so I was the dramaturg. I mean, she, to be honest, you know, I did say to Emma, I'm not really sure what you want me to do here, I'm, I'm not going to start rewriting Shakespeare. She said, no, no, I just need you to kind of come up with a new concept. And um, between us, we kind of really kind of looked at it together, I think. I think she was, it was huge fun. I mean, I, I wasn't about to start rewriting his uh, um, Shakespeare. No, but, but yes, it was,
0: you know, well, I, I my memory of the evening I spent watching it yeah. was absolutely joyous because I yeah. think, uh, whatever you and Emma had cooked up worked so brilliantly, and I would for my money, I thought it really released majorly the themes and what the play is about in a wonderful way and and yeah. I looked around me at a much more dynamic younger audience than myself <laughs> and um and they were having a whale of a time and um yeah and i'm we'll come to this later because obviously you've been very successful and very skillful at at, at maybe adapting something that exists in one context. And, and taking it to another, but I thought we'd start there, but I will come back to that because I think that's a very interesting strand of your work. But if I could take you further back, uh, you were born in India, is that correct? No, I was born in Chiswick. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you put me right there. That's,
1: <laughs> that's a brilliant moment. Yeah.
0: I am so sorry. So when yeah. did your family come from India Yes, yeah, so, Chiswick?
1: Yeah, so my parents came in 61, 62. Okay. They were very young. I mean, they got married. They fell in love in um, Shantinigitan, which is uh, uh, Tagore's ashram, you know, the Indian's national poet. Yeah. And they they came over, I think not were about 24 or 25 or wow. something like that. They were very young. And so I was born in, in London uh, and my younger brother was also born here. But we were brought up very Indian. We weren't allowed to speak English at home. Wow. You know, all that. Stuff. So, um, I mean, at the time I hated it, but now I realise I'm actually bilingual.
0: Which is brilliant. <laughs> but,
1: yeah. Absolutely. It's what my parents made me. Now, I, I hope
0: my next piece of research is more successful than my first one. But um, <laughs> am I right that both your parents were involved in entertainment yes, or performance? Yes.
1: yes, yes. So my father was a singer wow. and my mother was an Indian dancer. And the story goes because... Uh, the, the place in Shantanidham, the Tagore Ashram, is an arts place. You know, it's very much a sort of avant-garde place. And the story went was that every morning, because my mum was staying with her sister, she would hear this man walking to college and singing as he went. <laughs> and she would like run to, to the bottom of the garden and like try and find out who he was. And by the time she got there, big garden, um, he'd he'd gone. And she said that she fell in love with his voice before she ever saw him. And we all said, well, if you'd seen him, you wouldn't have fallen. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good so point. that was like, that was the very arty-farty, lots wow. of Tagore. I mean, absolutely obsessed with Tagore, the songs, the dance dramas, the poetry. You know, every morning I'd wake up to my dad spouting some Tagore poems. So it was very, um, I was very lucky in that respect that yeah. you know, the art is very much... Um, Uh, celebrated and I was told very at a very young age
0: I was going to be a writer when I grew up wow that's amazing yeah
1: that is really
0: amazing um and again this it's interesting because you know some people have no um arts in their background at all it wasn't in my world at all Mm. you know my my mom was a dinner lady my dad was an electrician Mm. and we went once a year to the panto but Mm. it must have been Mm. extraordinary growing up in that did that continue when they came to the UK? Or that
1: yeah, yeah. So they they set they set up this um, organization which is still running to this day called the Tagoreans, and they would uh, perform dance dramas. So basically, as far as I can remember, in the sixties, they every summer because again they were quite young; they were in their yeah, 20s, yeah. 20s, early thirties. They would they would take a bunch of Indian students who they would teach how to sing and dance, and we would go in the minibus around the uh, European continent. Performing dance wow. My earliest memories are jiggling around in the back of a bus somewhere at the age of three or whatever. Wow, Ternigan, that we that, went, I know, it was amazing. And we went to places like Netherlands and eat. I don't know why they were obsessed with going to Germany and we ended up in Nuremberg as well. Wow. Germans loved us, you know.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> so you were kind of part of a kind of travelling troupe
1: then, really? absolutely yeah yeah I mean again you know you don't appreciate it when you're young you just think oh no no, we're not where are we going now now my parents have long since deceased but the the organization still goes and the relationships I had with those you know I was a little kid and they were like teenagers Indian teenagers who are now retired consultants you know in that's a wonderful
0: that sounds to me like such an extraordinary kind of childhood in a way and yeah and i'm also interested by the notion that you were told that you were going to be a writer no. because i could imagine other people in your situation being told that's the last thing you were going to
1: be i know well all the asian kids in my school were told dr lawyer of accountant. course yeah. And I was told the opposite. So I was always a bit, they always thought I was a bit strange. But I think probably because my father was a storyteller. I mean, to, to be honest, during the day he was a businessman and she was yeah. she worked at the yeah. civil service. Yeah. But um he was, and I think you'd appreciate this, he was a storyteller. Yeah. So he was he loved telling stories about the Mahabharata the Ramayana or whatever he'd read in the newspaper. And my brother and I were talking about this the other day that he would, he would give us a lift to school and he would start a story in the morning in the car. If he hadn't finished the story by the time we got to school, we had to sit in the car <laughs> until he'd finished it. The school bell had gone, everyone had gone in, and we were still sat there waiting for my dad to finish. I mean, it's just like, you know, a bit too verbose, let's put it that way. Oh, no, that <laughs> is
0: brilliant. But,
1: when you're but, having but, to yeah. explain
0: the reason for your lateness to your teacher, because dad hadn't finished his story in the dad, car.
1: Dad hadn't finished the story about Hanuman and Rama or whatever, That is you know.
0: extraordinary. And did your did your brother follow you into show business? or?
1: Mm. No, my brother is a is a judge ah. is a, is a, is a lawyer
0: okay okay so but in
1: a sense he's acting every yes. day
0: so. <laughs> i've i've been fortunate enough to do a two or three parts where i've had to play in a courtroom and yeah the sense of performance is is you yeah. know it's very connected isn't it and my sister's husband was a judge like your brother and he always talks about yeah. the theatricality of it and the theater of it you know yeah
1: totally i mean
0: they get dressed up exactly you know, costume exactly um so uh, so you go to school and obviously you've got this in your family and in your background yeah do you remember some of the earliest things that
1: you wrote or what how did the writing emerge at school well I think because again because it sort of goes into you without even realizing I was always writing little plays for my friends at school so right from the I think I remember being at junior school um like eight or nine and writing things and performing them from the class and writing short story you know there's you know, in those days when you were able to actually write creatively in yes. class, you know, once you do your GCSEs or in my case, O levels, it's all gone, isn't it? Yeah. So and and the teachers are very sweet. They just let us do it. So, yes, I, I probably was writing quite early. Um, I think I do remember being one of the. F- you know ones at class I mean I was rubbish at everything else but I could write a good story so, <laughs> so I, my stories were always being read out to class you know so and so you
0: felt encouraged and supported
1: totally yeah and uh, again you know I'd bring it home my dad would go genius you're going to be the right <laughs> <laughs> this is
0: so brilliant I do also uh, I, I, before I move on for your extraordinary parents have you ever used any of these things that you're telling me in, in your material, in your writing? Have you ever written autobiographically at all?
1: No. I, I mean, uh, a lot of people have said to me, you should write a film about, you know, yeah. like Captain Fantastic or something, you know, <laughs> just sort of like going around Europe. I mean, I do remember being in Austria and like being very very young, about six or seven, and my mum My mum always wore a sari, and Austrians coming up to her, and you, I, you can't see it on the on the audio, but literally they'd come up and they'd like rub their hands up oh against her God. skin to see if the, the color came off. And uh, then trying to look under a sari. And wow. my dad telling them, you mustn't do that because you know that Indian women don't have legs. They're <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's
0: fantastic. <laughs>
1: I remember oh, thinking it? as a child, is my mum a mermaid? Does she not really have <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: if you ever do uh, uh, make this material, it would be amazing. So I would certainly yeah. be there at the front of the queue. It's interesting. I've only <laughs> had the joy of going to India once, but three years ago, we took our kids out of school yeah. over Christmas because my partner was born in India in Chennai. And uh, oh, wow! I said, what do you want to do for your 50th? Thinking she'd say, oh, I don't know, party above a pub. She said, I want us all to go to yeah. India. I was thinking, oh, my oh. God. So luckily I was working with Emma doing Wise Children yeah. and we had a break for, for like four weeks. And I said, OK, let's go. So we, my, da- my son was eight and my daughter was 12 and we travelled by train at, at yeah. night, really. But I'm just thinking when that thing about the, um, the, the women wanting to look under the sari, I think my kids... When we shared our, our our cabins on the train with whole Indian yeah. families and they shared all the food my kids had yeah. never seen anything like it and the engagement yeah. was yeah. so extraordinary that, that yeah that it was such a great experience but anyway that's by the by um, sometimes so, too much engagement yes exactly um, so so you you continue this interest and then how did it where was the kernel of thinking maybe dad's right maybe I could be a writer when did that start to Launch.
1: um i i I'd, I'd got my i had a you know i went to university i did a bit of creative writing at university but i never really you know never went anywhere i got my degree and then i i got a job in um asian women's refuge okay. my again my dad was absolutely upset he said why are you why are you doing this work? I thought you were going to be a writer I said yeah I am, but I have to actually pay, you know earn a living and um and i joined this thing called the Asian Women Writers Collective. That shows my age, because you know, like even the, the term collective. Yes. And they, they you know, people like Mira Cial were there, you know, this, this is when we were all very young and they did, they were very encouraging. And I remember I tried to write a novel and I read some of it out. They were quite fierce, these women. And they said to me, no, 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 no. you can't, you can't write novels. Your prose is dreadful." <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking, oh God, that, well, that, that's put a shot to that. And then one of them said to me, you are a very you're very good at dialogue so I think you should write plays and here you need to go to this workshop and they sent me and I mean literally these Asian women just like literally sent me off to this BBC drama workshop and uh I went along and they immediately went we love your work we're gonna do it and so I had my first radio play produced as a result of that intervention and so I'm very grateful to those those really scary women at the age of a writer's <laughs> collective, because I had my first play produced. That's amazing. And how, that, uh, yeah. How old were you, Tanika? So I would have been about 26 wow. at the time. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So you actually, because obviously you're very prolific as a radio yeah. writer as well as stage, but your journey professionally as a writer began more on radio than it did in the theatre?
1: Oh, totally. I wrote for radio for a while, and then I got strangely um kind of like uh, what's the word spotted by Grange Hill ah, television yeah. so I wrote for Grange Hill for years I wrote for EastEnders for years and then and and I couldn't get into the theatre because you you know what it's like yeah, it's yeah, such yeah. an elite.
0: yes exactly
1: sadly <laughs> nobody, yeah. nobody would even take a second look at me and then I, I wrote a play which I sent to a young uh, director who I thought maybe she'll be interested who is now her name is Indu Rubasinghe. Yes, you know, I know Indu, right yeah. Film and she went, oh, yeah, this is quite good. Let's take it to the National. I went, who's the National? And they, um, we did a workshop at the studio at the National back in 95 or 6, yeah, I think yeah. it was. And that's when people started taking notice of me and saying, why don't you come in? You know, that usual thing where they, they yeah. don't commission you or anything. They go, no, no. why don't you come in for a chat? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. And, and, so um, I went for lots of chats with exactly. lots of people and yeah. that's how it started basically. And, uh, and did
0: this then become your first play at the National? From the workshop, did it lead to the production? Uh,
1: no, it was a Soho Theatre, actually. Uh, with, ah. uh, Paul Syrett was uh, the literary manager yeah. there and. I think Abigail Morris was Yes, I remember, yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, the very first play I wrote, even despite all my qualms, was an adaptation of a Tagore (laughs) short story. Ah,
0: that's interesting.
1: And the Tagore short story was about a a skeleton in a cupboard which comes to life at night. And the skeleton is a very beautiful woman and she tries to seduce the medical student. It's it's a a lovely story, so I just... That's a great it. story. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yeah. Um, and did you, was your dad around to see that? No, oh, no. By sadly. that stage my poor yeah. dad
1: had gone. I mean, what what is interesting is that he died very young and in the same year that he died, mm. I had my first child. So I was having I had children and I was trying to start a new career and wow. I was working in Islington Council. So, yeah, I couldn't do we can barely do one of those things now <laughs> <laughs> ah the, the energy of youth exactly yeah I know. <laughs> and it's
0: strange you mentioned Grange Hill because you're the third guest we've had on that has a Grange Hill connection because two mm-hmm. actors that we've I've chatted to that have worked with us Aisha Antoine yeah. and uh, Lisa Hammond yeah were both performers in Grange yeah. Hill of course yeah and, um
1: so uh, well, I mean the, in the days quite... that I was there Sarah Daniels was also a writer on it so wow really yeah yeah Gosh. So it was uh, it was huge fun because it was almost written like a stage play because yeah. you write a draft and then you go and rehearse it with the kids. And they'd say things like, Miss, we don't say snogging no more. We say lip." things. <laughs> 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 no, right. Okay. We'll quickly
0: write it. OK, I'll change that. Um, and also, I suppose that it's interesting that you, in a sense, made a journey from radio to stage. Obviously, you continue yeah. doing radio yeah. or and TV and yeah. stuff. Because sometimes it feels when I chat to writers that it's often the other way around. They start in theatre and then they obviously move the other way. But you touched on something there, uh, which is obviously absolutely true, about the kind of uh, elitism of the world of theatre. And I was reading something um, where you... Sorry, I'm just trying to find this quote. uh, that You said at some point, we need to decolonise our theatres to make British theatre relevant. Is that something you still stand by? Do you think anything is happening in
1: that direction or what what do you think um I think it's slow it's still really slow it's not it's not just about race it's about class as well isn't it yes I totally agree and all the rest of it and uh I still think that it's the same old jobs going to the same people all the time which is why which is why it's so wonderful to meet people like Emma Rice and yourself where you where we're doing things outside the box you know we just think it's almost like guerrilla tactics, where you just go. Well, if you're not going to do my work, I might as well go and do it somewhere else. You know, yeah. make it, make it happen. And I think that that's that's always been my motto. It looks like it's been quite a traditional, conventional route, but it hasn't. You know, you just kind of you write a play and you cook dinner for your mates and go. We read it out loud to me and see if it works. You know, that sort of thing. Formal, informal, informal um, structures of support where. You kind of need to hear people go, no, you can, you can write. Actually, that's quite a good story. Or, yeah, that's a good style. Because if you only relied on the gatekeepers, you
0: know, you'd have no self confidence. <laughs> I I, t- I couldn't agree more. And also, I think you mentioned Emma, and and I think it's so much about the kind of imaginations you meet along the way, and 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 how you click with those imaginations, which you know. Don't say, "Oh, you're this type of writer," or yeah. they describe you yeah. as a certain type of performer yeah. or whatever. I think um, it's that sense of openness where you go, "Oh, we're just making something together here." Yeah, um, yeah. It, it doesn't have to be defined in such a no, way. I suppose. Exactly. I mean, um, but the British, uh, as we know, we love to define something to, in order to give it, <laughs> try to understand it. I mean, the, the ludicrous one for us is we're we're always well, We're often described as a physical theatre company, yeah. We, we never use that term ourselves <laughs> anywhere, on yeah, our website yeah, or anything because I, I just happen to believe that all theatre is physical. Well, totally, you, know is that, you know,
1: people do things on stage. I mean, if they just were unphysical and just stood there not doing anything, yeah. then it'd be really,
0: exactly. It's a, it's a bizarre thing. Yeah. And often, when we've been lucky enough to go internationally with our yeah. work, they just describe us as a British theatre company who does new plays, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's strange, isn't it? Now, um obviously, things started to happen. And uh, what was the show that you did at the National? My friend Paul Baisley was in it. I was oh, yeah, to yeah, the... it was called
1: The Waiting Room. So that was, did... that was very early on. So that was in 2000. And um, that was... How did that come about? So that was... Actually, I was on Attachment at the National Theatre Studio. So this is after we've done the workshop there. And they, want to, they, they say things like, oh, we'd really like to develop you as a writer. And you want to go, I am pretty developed. By this stage, I'm probably in my early 30s, you know, yeah, he yeah. developed, you know, but, but it's the language. So they, but what they did do was that they um, gave me a room and some time and some money to write. And they gave me a, another playwright as a mentor. And that was uh, a playwright, Lynn Coglin. And, okay. um, fantastic dramaturg, and you know but at that stage I'd only been writing um uh, television and radio and thought I was the Beasley's and I remember she said <laughs> she said to me she read my play and she went yeah Sunika, I think that the scenes need to be a bit longer than a page with <laughs> 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 yeah, all that kind of stuff I remember the one thing that she kept saying is in plays what you need to do is you need to scratch the scab rip it off and then make it Bleed. I remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, what's he talking about?" But of course, it's it's about depth and narrative, and you know all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Very good. And then, as a result, I wrote a play which then got picked up by none other than Trevor Nunn. And then wow. he said, "Oh, I love this play. Let's put it on." And so I was very lucky, and it and it got on. I think it won a, I think it won a John Whiting Award. But what, yes, it, yeah. what was really exciting, and you know, got to work with Paul Basely, who's wonderful. Was that um they asked me, and of course it's the national. So you go, they go, well, Who would you like to play the main part? And I, I just said, Well, there's this amazing Bollywood actress called Shabana Azmi, what about her? And they went, yes, let's look her up. And I remember thinking, really? And she came and did it. Wow. She's like, she's like our Elizabeth Taylor in India. I mean, oh, she's not really worse. she's not really Bollywood, she's more like Indian art house. Yeah. And she to this day, I mean, I still go and see her every now and then, when she when she comes to stay in some you know swanky hotel. Wow, that's yeah. extraordinary that yeah. you managed to
0: yeah uh, you know and the, and they and she came over and that must have been an amazing experience. It was.
1: I was a bit like you know on the first day of rehearsal, you think, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> 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 it's going to be no, fun, no. You know? And actually, she was just you know she was rolling around on the floor like everybody else, and you know just. Fantastic! That's amazing. And did Indu direct that? Yes, as well? Indu directed. So yeah. that was um, directed by Indu.
0: Yeah. At the that I was about to ask a you, slow. about oh no, mate. And <laughs> also, you the cards have been. I would have thought that not that many women who would had plays on at the National before you was there. I have no idea. There no, can't be think. many. I don't think so. I mean, it's still the case really yeah exactly <laughs>
1: let's, let's, not dwell, let's not
0: dwell on that um but i wanted to ask about directors obviously you have a relationship with Indu and with emma um what do you look for in a director when you're you in terms of how they respond to your work your play what What are you looking yeah, for? yeah
1: i mean i was asked this just the other day when do you only can you only work with south asian um directors and i just went no not really i mean i i basically I just want to work with somebody who understands my writing gets my gags and who is culturally I don't know culturally sensitive even if that's a word I don't even know but it's like it uh, you know the race and class and color does not really matter to me and no. so that that's you know and also having a laugh with someone I mean I, oh. I I really really need to have someone laugh at my jokes continuously otherwise it doesn't oh. work <laughs> <laughs> I totally <laughs> get it and I
0: have less and less time now for being in a room where you can't have a laugh, I really do. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 it's right at the top of our list at Told By need for sure and I think we try all the time to take the work seriously but never ourselves and I, I, I kind of think it's a good thing to aspire to that's for sure. Um, now I was very interested in. I don't know if this is a new project, but I I was reading somewhere might have been on your website about uh, working you working on a new version of Header
1: Garbler, Is that right? Yeah. So I've done a version of Header Garbler for Birmingham Rep, and it's brilliant. It's sort of sitting there now. It's like all these projects. They just you you, you know we want it yesterday, yeah. And then you you, you hand it in, and then
0: sign it, it sits there. Yeah. So I Am mean, I right?
1: it could happen. Who knows? Well, I hope it does. I was intrigued. Am I right that you set it in the post-war British film industry? Yeah, no, I was quite interested in the character of Merle Oberon. So she was a, an actress who worked on, what was it? Um, Wuthering Heights. Yes,
0: with Laurence, with, Olivier. Uh,
1: yeah. Laurence Olivier. And she yeah. was actually Indian. So she, oh, hid didn't her know her yeah, she hid her identity. I mean, when you go back and you look at pictures of Merleau Obron now, you go, yeah, of course she was. So she was um, obviously mixed race, Anglo-Indian as they called them in those days. And, uh, but she hid her identity right up until she died. She had wow. a, an Indian woman who helped her with the makeup, probably, you know, did a lot of wiping <laughs> and, uh, said it was her she was just her makeup artist, but everyone said afterwards that that was her mother. So uh wow so I was quite interested in the idea of Hedda Garbler being you know like a Merleau gront star character. I think that sounds fantastic. And yeah and,
0: it could be. and through the
1: through yeah. the prism of
0: of that play that sounds a really um yeah because because obviously it, you know you've been very successful in Hobson's choice and great expectations. When you're taking something that exists already yeah. I mean, I was working with some younger directors last week at, at, at the Gerwood space, and we were talking a bit about adaptation. And I was saying, for my money, it, it sounds an obvious thing to say, but obviously you have to look, how does it change? Because if, hmm. if it doesn't change enough, as we know, then you go, well, what's the point of doing it? You should go and see that film or read that book. But finding hmm. those ways in which it's changed, is. Is that you just responding to the the particular material at the time, like the Hobson's Choice, for instance? Is that you going, Okay.
1: I think with adaptations, you have to really love the original. So, I mean, the other one I did that was the most successful was A Doll's House. Yes. Which was uh, the lyric of just before the pandemic. And, you know, Hobson's Choice, Great Expectations, Doll's House are all some of my favourite classic. I mean, particularly Great Expectations. I love that book. And uh, I think if you don't love it, then there's no point in trying to you know mess with it because actually you need the respect for the original before, yeah. you start, before you start making it your own. And so I think it's about setting, it's about what you want to say or what it, how, how does that text speak to you as a, as a writer? What is it about that text that you love that you think you can, that you can put your own stamp on it? yeah otherwise yeah. you just think i'm just doing it for the you know for the hell of it rather than because and and with me everything's set in india <laughs> so <laughs> oh i think great expectations are going to be great in in calcutta no i could i could, uh, I, I think I could the definitely have to be great in calcutta i mean it's like yeah. sometimes i think so that's why head of garbler was really nice to actually not set it in calcutta go yeah no i can do any other things <laughs> um and but it, it is because i love and the thing about hedda that i really 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 hated was that she commits suicide at the end yeah so she, at the end of hedda she shoots herself so of course i changed that ending yeah. I'm not having that i mean you know it's it's it is still ibsen i mean there is a there's a joke in india that um ibsen was actually indian and it, he was actually Ib and then dash sen that was his name <laughs> <laughs> he's very very popular as is Dickens,
0: of course. Yeah, no, it I can feels, understand. I
1: mean, even even the word "pumblechook." If you put, do it in an Indian accent, it sounds Indian.
0: <laughs> no, I can understand both of those <laughs> yeah. verses exactly. Yeah. Um, I was going to touch very lightly on uh, regrets, but have you? Yeah. Um, is there any particular project? Because we all have projects that never quite see the light of day. You know, I've been banging away at a certain idea, and it, it doesn't come to fruition is there anything that you regret that you think oh i only I could have got that over the line or or, or or do you not or do you tend to move on quite quickly
1: um yeah I think that I don't move on quite quickly I keep banging oh. on the same thing over and over again I think I think in terms of projects you know most of them I've you know I if they haven't happened I just put them in a drawing but I mean I like for example a doll's house I wrote mm. nearly 10 years ago and it took five years for someone to pick it up um, and so it's really nice when you can pick something out of your drawing, offer it and go, oh, actually, I wrote this and they they go, oh, my God, you know, or they'll go, no, we don't like Ibsen or whatever. So it's not so much about the um, projects because I've, I've become, you know, quite wise in that respect that I think nothing is wasted. It'll go in no. somewhere else. It, I think my in terms of regret, I think I regret not having gone into tried to do a bit of acting I watch actors and I think, oh God, they have so much fun. Why did I, I was too self-conscious as a young woman. Uh, you know, I was just, couldn't bear the thought of anyone looking at me. So I think that, that in a way, write, most writers are quite strange people who are not very good at talking. Whereas I think I'm, I think I would have been a natural actor.
0: I think. <laughs> and I it's just without,
1: too late now. I, well,
0: <laughs> I, I, I don't, um, I don't agree with that. So. Um, please don't ignore any emails that might arrive in your inbox. <laughs> because
1: this- Listen, I can't even remember from... my phone number anymore. No. Let
0: and also I should say, uh, Tanika, our work often has very few words. It's often visual, yeah. so you don't need to learn <laughs> any lines or anything like that. So we'll, I'll come back to you on that. Um, Tanika, it's been so lovely chatting to you, it's been so entertaining and, and to get a brief insight into your process and your work and uh, and I'm a huge admirer and hearing about your family and your background is, it's interesting because of course you realise every culture has extraordinary stories but it, it makes me think when we, we made a show at the very beginning which was inspired by a tiny moment in um, Garcia Marquez's 100 Years of Solitude. Oh yeah. And yes. when and when you talk about your mother here falling in love with the voice it, it makes me think of Marquez of course it's its own yes, thing course, but yeah. it resonates yes. in lots of different ways and I would urge you to revisit the idea of trying to make something of your of your past and your family because your dad sounds an extraordinary character and yes. and um, uh, anyway, I, I always end, if it's all right, Tanika, with a, a quick fire uh, seven questions I'm going to ask you. Okay. And you just say the first response uh, to these questions, whatever, yeah. um, or no response at all. Okay. So, my first question is Do you prefer writing for radio or film? Um, both. <laughs> okay. Uh, singing or dancing? Dancing. Uh, who was the dancer, your mom or your daddy? My mum, yeah. 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 Um, Angela Carter or Muriel Spark? Angela Carter. Uh, DIY or gardening? Gardening. <laughs> a road trip or an isolated villa? Road trip. Top girls or our country's good? The top girls. <laughs> outward, now this is, imagine you had to do another job. Uh, would you prefer to be an outward bounds instructor or a shepherd? outward bounds
1: instructor
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> right i can now get on in creating the role of an outward Bound's instructor for you in the next time by the idiot show tanika thank you so much for joining us and thank i hope you. i bump into you in muswell hill and we'll have this yes. time we're going to have a coffee excellent thanks very much thanks tanika bye-bye, yeah, bye, bye-bye. Bye. dear listeners if you've enjoyed this idiot podcast Please spread the word.